Hi there, I'm Jeannie Patel-Thompson of ListenToYourGut.com. I specialize in natural healing for digestive diseases, and welcome to part two of Wi-Fi, cell phones, and power lines, safety and protection with Dr. Magda Havas. Dr. Havas received her PhD from the University of Toronto, completed postdoctoral research at Cornell University, and taught at the University of Toronto before going to join Trent University, um, which is also located in Canada. So Magda, thanks so much for being here today. My pleasure, Jeannie. How do you get a clean environment? Because, you know, for our family, we're aware of this. Okay, I don't even own a cell phone. My husband, after continual, you know, getting barraged by all the research for me, has now reduced his cell phone usage to probably less than 10 minutes a month. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't allow my kids to have cell phones. They have a Nintendo, but I don't allow them to play the wireless. Mm -hmm. We, of course, have cable computers. However... A thousand meters away is a power line, and sitting on top of it are four cell phone towers. And then our next-door neighbors have wireless. And I had someone come here to test, and their wireless is coming into our house. Mm -hmm. It's coming into our bedrooms. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm starting to feel, you know, we've lost our choice. I'm trying to say, okay, so if my kids are radiated at school, you know, and I can't, you know, really get the gumption to pull them out at this point but at least i can at least i can keep things clean at home and that's even been taken away from me so now i'm thinking well now what do we do right well i think there's going to be some um class action lawsuits uh coming up fairly fairly soon because uh, more and more people are getting sick because of the wireless technology that their neighbor has and it's coming into their homes. Um, also, they're putting smart meters on homes in Canada, a number of different provinces. And uh, smart meters use microwave energy as well, to, and in some American states as well. And I know people have been contacting me who have a smart meter on their home, and some of them are, are sensitive, and so they're they're reacting to this. And what we're doing is, is recommending ways that they can shield their internal environment, not the smart meter, because... That has to communicate, but uh, where they can begin to shield their internal environment. And some people are actually refusing smart meters because um, uh, of the uh, exposure and their their ill health, but also there's evidence that they're um, not reading correctly. They're giving you much higher readings than what what electricity you're using. And some of them have been improperly installed, and and they've had fires with them as well. So there's all sorts of reasons why we shouldn't be using smart meters on the homes. Mhm. So, let's get into some practicalities. In your opinion, because you're you're on top of all of the research across the board and you're seeing the real life susceptibilities, okay? Some people are susceptible, some people are sensitive, some people are not. Mhm. If okay, if I have a child in a school that has wireless computers, but my child is is showing no overt signs of hypersensitivity okay maybe Mm -hmm. the child gets a nosebleed maybe they get a skin rash from time to time Mm -hmm. but nothing that can be tagged unequivocally to wireless exposure right what what should i do well i'm not i'm not in a position to tell parents what they should do um because i i feel really uh, when you make choices like that it's based on more than just the science it's it's based on your value system. It's based on how much money you have, whether you can afford to put your kid in a school. Very often, you know, you might have to pay more to 
to put them in a school that doesn't have wireless um, if you have to, you know, bust them further away, things like that. So I really feel that the decision that parents end up making have to weigh all of that and balance all of that. As a grandmother, I don't want my grandkids in a school with wireless technology. I simply don't want that. And I know that parents feel, some parents feel the same way. They've offered to purchase um, cable for schools so that they don't have to go wireless. In some schools, they're actually putting wireless in where the cable already exists. <laughs> so they're having a redundant system because they think it'll be better, it's more modern, it's more progressive. And actually, it's it's a worse system from various perspectives, including um um, uh, security, for example, it's much easier to tap into your computer in a wireless mode than if you have cable, for example. And um, so, it's not as fast either. So if you have 30 kids in a classroom downloading information at the same time, it's going to be very slow. Uh, so you're, you're not even dealing with the best technology. It's the cheapest technology, and that's why this choice is being made. It's convenient and it's cheap uh, in the short term. It's going to be extremely expensive in the long term. So my recommendation is for the schools to either go wired, if possible, if they've already gone wireless, to limit the exposure to just part, part of the school so that, um, you know, you might have a computer lab that's wireless and you go into a room get the information on your computer that you need, and then you go back to your seat and, and you're not in a wireless environment. So, you know, doing it that way, turning it off when no one's using it, uh, allowing wireless-free areas in the school I think is extremely important. And then any parent who wants their child not to be exposed, they should have that choice. You know, you don't want your child to be exposed um, to cigarette smoke, and so we ban smoking, in, you know, on school property. When I was a kid, you know, kids could smoke in the schoolyard. It was, you know, um, but we've banned that. We don't allow peanuts in schools because a very few number of children have peanut allergies, um, and so we have to. You know be what? Very that's actually that's actually a very good comparison, because that's another argument that you hear. You say, "Well, listen, there's such a low percentage who are sensitive. Why should the rest of us suffer?" Mm-hmm. But yeah, hello, peanut allergies. That's right. I mean, that is a prime example. There's Mm -hmm. so few children allergic to peanuts, but nobody's allowed to bring anything containing, and in some schools they've banned all nuts. That's right, that's right. Which is, for me, a serious inconvenience. Yes, exactly. But you're willing to do it because someone else's child, their life might depend on it, so you're willing to do it. Also, when parents are, when, when your child goes on a school trip somewhere, your you know form comes home asking you if you give them permission to leave the school property on this trip well you should be asked you know for all sorts of safety reasons you should be asked the same thing do you allow permission for your child to use a wireless computer mm-hmm. and if your answer is no then the school should in my mind uh, make alternative arrangements for that to happen mm-hmm. I actually think that just like asbestos, we're going to be ripping out wireless technology from schools within the next five to ten years because so many kids are going to start getting ill if they're using the high exposures that they're using in some of the schools here in Ontario. Right. Because they have industrial strength Wi-Fi monitors, uh, Wi-Fi connections. Um, But really there's no way for us to go into our schools and find out what they have. But would you say that if a school, if the whole school is wireless, it's going to be at industrial strength? Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 the best system for the school in terms of connectivity. So you're not going to have any, you know, you're going to have um, no areas where you can't use the technology. Yes. 
And it's, it's the IT it's the IT people that are are pushing this because uh, you know they want to make sure that you've got all the convenience of using your computer, you know, while you're in the toilet in the washroom if you want to. And um, yes. And I don't think that's necessary. And certainly, kids under the age of, um, you know, what about ten? Uh, I don't think they need to use wireless technology. Um, I think there's a lot of ways of teaching them with without having that wireless connection in an elementary school, for example. Well, and if you look at the Waldorf school system, which I think is one of the best in the world, mm-hmm. they don't even allow their children, the kids, on the computers until grade 12 because they say, you know what, they, and they have you know plenty of studies and information to back this up, that it's not only is it not needed, but it interferes with other vital brain development processes. That's right, and, and there's some evidence that it's being um, addictive as well. I mean, not only to kids, but to to adults. You know, there are people who can't leave their home without their cell phone, and they have to check it constantly. And, you know, you're having lunch or dinner with someone, and they're constantly pulling out their phone to see if they've got any messages. And to me, this is really sick behavior. It's it's not normal behavior. No, Not one of us, except perhaps if you're, uh, you know, delivering babies and you need to find out if you have to rush in for you know, um, a surgery, do you need to have that kind of connectivity? And I think it's just an addictive um, behavior that we're beginning to uh, experience. So if it was your child in a school, and there were, because there are no wireless schools around us (laughs) anymore, so Mm -hmm. it's not like I could say, well, I'm going to put my child, pull my child out of that and put them into this school. There is nothing left that's Mm -hmm. not wireless. You're no longer able to have a choice, that's right. Yeah, there's no choice. Mm would you then say you're, you're, I'm not asking about your recommendation. I'm asking about you. It's your child. Mm-hmm. Would you say, well, I'll homeschool then? Well, that's what a lot of people are doing is they're going to homeschools. You know, as a as being in this field as a grandmother, I would I would like to be able to go into a school and actually measure the radiation. And if the levels are sufficiently low, I might not be too concerned. But if they're high, I would you know yank my grandkid out of there as fast as you could you know. Um, okay, so what would be a sufficiently low level? Well, if it's below okay. the the point one microwatt per centimeter squared, I probably wouldn't be too concerned. Um, if it's anywhere above that, um, the higher it is, the the more concerned I would become. Now that's well below our safety code guidelines. Um, our safety I was going to say that point one microwatt per centimeter squared isn't that the safety maximum in most of Europe? No, just a few countries in Europe have adopted it so far. Yes, but more and more, I think, are considering it. Um, And that's for outdoor exposure. For indoor exposure, it's 0.01. And I know people who are electrically sensitive still react to the 0.1. We did a study just um, uh, last a few years ago. It's just coming out this year where we tested the response of the heart to microwave radiation. And the R exposure was 0.3, so it was three times higher than that. Uh, guideline that I just mentioned, and several of the people we tested blindly, so it wasn't um, psychosomatic response. They developed tachycardia, which is a rapid heart rate, and arrhythmia instantly as soon as we exposed them to the radiation from a cordless phone at 2.4 gigahertz. So, um, you know, if if adults start having those symptoms, and I, I know quite a few adults who have them, um, they suddenly feel their heart starts beating. They have this pressure and pain in the chest area. Um, they they they're having an anxiety attack. That's how they interpret it, or they're having a heart attack and they don't know which, and it scares them incredibly. Well, children are now beginning to have these problems. In the Simcoe County School Board, 
I think there are two children now who are on heart medication because their heart reacts abnormally in the school environment. They're fine on the weekends. They're fine at home, uh, you know, any other time. But when they go to school, their heart reacts. And I think it's quite likely that both of them um, uh, might be reacting to the microwave radiation. We've, you know, contacted the school and asked them if they would, you know, just turn it off or turn it down so that the levels are, are not as high, or even do an experiment where they turn it off for a week to see if these children are having the same symptoms. It's more than two that are having the symptoms. It's just two have been um, are now on heart medication. And I think that would really begin to help us understand whether it is Wi-Fi or whether it's something totally different. Mm-hmm. And now you said that, okay, so what you would consider uh, an okay level for school exposure would, would be below 0.1 milliwatt per centimeter squared. Mm-hmm. And just for comparison, microwatts tell us, per sorry, microwatts mm-hmm. per centimeter squared, can you tell us for comparison what is the current Health Canada Safety Code 6 level that they say is okay? 1,000. 1,000. Yeah. And that really is the problem because I've talked to the principal, I have talked to the school boards, they all say to me, this is not my area, I just follow the directions from Health Canada Safety Code 6, and it all everybody refers you back to there. I'm powerless, there's nothing I can do, Health Canada Safety Code 6. Mm-hmm. And you look at Health Canada Safety Code 6, it's 1,000 versus 0.1. That's right. In Europe, that have looked at the same research. That's right. And the guideline in in Russia is 10. So even the Russian guideline is much lower. It's 1% of our guideline. Uh, And they limit exposure. They say the higher the levels are, the the less you can be exposed in that environment. So um, Canada's guideline is based entirely on heating. A long time ago, scientists made the assumption, and it was an assumption. They, did, you know, they were guessing. This technology was invented. They had no idea what the health effects of it might be, and so they tried to get as much information together. But they said, "Look, we know microwaves heat because our the guys who work on radar are getting warm. <laughs> we know uh, we can use it in industrial sealers because it's it's a good um, way to heat plastics and to heat water and that kind of thing. So we know it heats. So as long as we can prevent it from heating your body, it's safe." Well, that's nonsense. We we have now thousands and thousands and thousands of scientific documents, peer-reviewed, uh, published documents that are saying there are all sorts of health effects below the heating. And they affect your nervous system. They affect the um, blood-brain barrier. They affect enzymes in your body. They affect calcium movement. They affect reproduction. I mean, I can go. they affect your sperm. They I can go on and on and on and on. Um, and for some reason, Health Canada has decided to ignore this information. And so they're saying if it doesn't heat your body, it's not harming you, and that's wrong. That's simply wrong. Now, it's not for a school board to decide what is safe and what isn't. So they, they're basically saying, and, and this, is, this is correct for them to do so, that we're going to look to the highest health authority in Canada, which is Health Canada. So it's really Health Canada that is letting all of us down by not... Uh, adjusting their guidelines based on the science that has been available, by the way, since the 1950s and 60s. So this has been available for decades, and they simply choose to ignore it. So then you have to say, follow the money. (laughs) Oh, definitely (laughs) follow the money. Because normally when governments ignore scientific evidence that is this strong and this um, prolific, it's because somebody is paying them to look the other way because they're benefiting. That's right. What 
but what that really means is that we have to take responsibility into our own hands. If your daughter is passing out every time she goes near a wireless router in the school environment and the school tells you it's perfectly safe, you know, you can sort of look at your daughter and say, okay, is she doing this on purpose? Is she play acting? And if she isn't play acting, then it's not safe. You know, you have to you have to really um, use your own judgment on this because you can't rely on Health Canada for the guidelines in this. And so I'm basically telling people, uh, be aware of what's in your environment. Have it measured. Measure it yourself, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, some of the equipment is not very expensive, but you can have it done professionally. Find out what you're exposed to. Find out how, to, how you can minimize the, your exposure. You don't have to eliminate it. Just, just cut it back as much as you possibly can and still use the technology that you need to rely on. Uh, and then monitor your health and see if your health improves as you begin to cut back. And if you're electrically sensitive, there's all sorts of things you can do. You have to cut back on your exposure then. You have no choice because you will become sick and you will become sicker as time goes on. You have to build up your immune system and you have to detoxify your body and get rid of all the other toxins that are um, making you, you know, uh, increasing your sensitivity to the electromagnetic frequencies. And once you do all of that, a lot of people, you know, have been recovering. They are recovering uh, from this exposure. But see, I hear hear a huge contradiction in that because on the one hand I'm hearing, and I'm not attacking you, I I want you to explain to me. On the one I'm hand, used to I'm being hearing... attacked, by the way, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to join that camp. Okay. Um, on the one hand, I'm hearing this technology is dangerous because it causes things that even aren't immediately evident, like DNA breaks mm-hmm. and enzymes and, and, and mm-hmm. sperm count and, and the hormonal balance and stuff like that. So on mm-hmm. the one hand, we're saying this technology is dangerous. Then on the other hand, we're saying, well, you don't have to completely get rid of it. Just, you know, cut it back to what you need and see if your health improves. And so I'm kind of left going, well, either it is or it isn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, it's not like, and I know, okay, so let's take the smoking analogy. You can Mm -hmm. say, look, we have decided as as a, you know, culture or country that, Cigarette smoke is carcinogenic, it's dangerous to your health. Yet at the same time, we acknowledge that not everybody that smokes gets cancer. Not everybody that lives in a secondhand smoke environment gets cancer. So are you saying it's similar to that type of thing where there is always going to be the exception to the rule, but for the majority of people, we can say that this is bad for your health. You should basically get rid of it um, as to to whatever limits within your power. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is similar to smoking, and you're correct when you say that some of the damage you can't see. If it's damaging your DNA, that might show up, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. So you're correct about that. What I what I was referring to are people who are symptomatic, which means uh, they go into a room, uh, there's a cordless phone there, and they develop a headache within a matter of a few minutes. They don't have a choice. They can't be in that room. Right. Uh, you know, without having a headache. And the headache could be very severe. It could be totally debilitating. So their choice is taken away from them as to whether or not they can be exposed to this radiation. However, if those individuals who react very strongly and have these symptoms, if they eliminate the exposure or minimize it as much as they possibly can 
and then begin to build up their immune system and begin to detoxify. Eventually, they'll be able to go into that room with that cordless phone there, and they'll be able to be in there for a couple of hours without developing a headache rather than developing it right away. Do you see what I'm saying? So your symptoms your, your symptoms will actually go away because your body's able to fight it better. When you're when you're totally depleted of everything, you know, a little flu comes along and instead of you staying in bed for a week, you're in bed, you're sick for months. Your body can't fight it. And so what we're what we're finding is that your body can eventually fight it if you build up your immune system and minimize your exposure. Okay, so, so then bringing it back to the practical. I'm a natural health writer. My kids have been fed organic, unprocessed food from birth, probiotics, vitamin D, you name it, they've had it. Fish oils, everything. Okay, mm-hmm. you can't find, you'd be hard-pressed to find healthier kids. They are extremely physically active, completely developed musculature, very high cardio. So I'm looking at them and I'm going, okay, so from birth, they've had everything that you're supposed to do. Like their mm-hmm. immune systems, they have not been vaccinated. They are optimi- operating at the highest level of health that is probably possible within a modern, modernized right. world, do I need to be worried about them being in school in a school with Wi-Fi, or do I say, well, because I'm doing all this on the back end, they will be okay because their bodies will be able to repair the damage, their bodies will have good detoxification systems, or should I still be going? But that is an added stressor. I don't know the consequences. I should take them out. Okay, um, I would agree that your children are probably able to withstand the stress without having damage to their system compared with some child who um, is brought up on junk food, you know, doesn't get a good night's sleep, um, doesn't exercise, sits in front of the boob tube all, all the time. My, my, I would hazard a guess that your kids would probably be in a much better uh, condition to, with toler- to withstand the stress or tolerate the stress. However, we don't know what the long-term consequences are. Wi-Fi exposure to or microwave exposure of young children has just started in this generation. Yeah. You know, when I was young, I wasn't exposed and um and I you know, one of the things I was told is that you know, this generation uh, might be the first where the parents outlive the kids because of all the toxins we have in the environment including the microwave radiation. That's a very disturbing concept. Since we don't know what the long-term consequences of even the slow-level exposure is, I think, you know, I would prefer to, to err on the side of caution. If I were a school principal, I wouldn't tolerate this, even if Health Canada, you know, um, said it was safe. If I, if I thought the kids would be harmed by this, I simply wouldn't tolerate it in my school environment. And I would just wish more principals and, and school superintendents had that perspective rather than blindly believing in authority figures like Health Canada. But they're saying they don't. They're saying they don't have the power. Oh, they do. As a matter of fact, in Ontario, quite recently, um, there's been a lot of of news on this recently in Ontario. And and one of the things the Board of Education said, it's up to the individual schools uh, to decide how they want to go. So basically, they're passing the buck. They're saying we're not going to make the decision for you. You decide. And Mm -hmm. that's what I find. Everyone is passing the buck. And at some stage, you've got to say the buck stops here. And I'm going to take this into, you know, I'm going to take responsibility for the lives and the health of my children or the children in my school or the, you know, the children in, in you know, this community. And then you do what you believe is right in order to, to live up to that. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, and for more information about Dr. Magda Havas or to contact her, you can go to her website at www.magdahavas.com. That's spelled M as in mother, A-G as in go, D as in dog, A-H-A-V as in Victor, A-S.com. And for more information about getting Wi-Fi out of your children's schools, the particular effects that it has on children, and all of the forms that you can get your principal to sign, that you can pass around to other mothers in your school, a whole bunch of resources, go to radiationeducation.com. That's www.radiationeducation.com.